everyone. I'm so glad you're here with us on this holiday weekend. We are wrapping up a three-week series on being a witness. I mean, Jesus said this. Uh, this is Acts 1-8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that's why where we came up with the title for our series is You Will Be My Witnesses. God has called us to be witnesses for him to people everywhere. In fact, Jesus commanded us to this, to be witnesses for him everywhere. And today, I want to unpack a little bit about, well, who would I witness to? If you missed the first couple of weeks, we talked about, well, how does a witness live? And then secondly, last week, we talked about, what would I say? Well, today, we want to talk about, well, who do I witness to? I mean, if you're telling me to be witnesses everywhere, like, like who? I mean, if I'm going to do this, who am I talking about? But I want to remind us, first of all, that a witness is simply a person who tells others what he or she has seen and heard. That's what a witness is. I just tell people, hey, this is what Jesus did for me. Listen to what John wrote about this. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so you may fully share our joy. The reason it made John so happy and brought him joy when people came to Christ is then they could know the same peace and happiness that he had, the same fulfillment. Uh, lately, I've had this conversation come up at a Starbucks. I've had this conversation come up around uh, lunchtime conversations. And it goes something like this. It, it happens over and over again now all the time. When we start talking about the fact that there's hurricanes and COVID and uh, the war in Afghanistan and how that came to a close and all the problems that are still remaining there. Oh, my goodness. And then we talk about uh, the economy and we talk about our families and we talk about everything. And people go, oh, my goodness, I don't know how things are ever going to be made right again. And so that's one conversation, and it happens over and over again. And you may be having this with people in your family and with other people. It's just all the time. I don't know how we can ever fix it. It's all so broken. Then another conversation that happens is, is as people are going through this, I have this conversation with believers that go, I don't know how I deal with any of the problems in my life without Jesus. I mean, I don't know how I deal with losing a loved one. I don't know how I deal with my economic situation. I don't know how I deal with my divorce if I didn't have Jesus. And the whole idea of being a witness is to bring that truth into this world where all these problems are going on. I hope that you're here today and that Jesus Christ has transformed your life. And you know what it's like to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, changing you from the inside out and giving you love and joy and peace. No matter what your circumstances are. But there are people all around us, they don't have that. They don't have love or joy or peace. They have fear and anger and worry. They have doubt and stress, and they have nowhere to turn. But we have Jesus, and Jesus said this in John 16, This isn't in your outline. Just listen to it. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say Amen. Jesus gives us peace no matter what our circumstance. 
through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, we can change. Even if we were an addict before, that doesn't have to control us anymore. Through the power of Christ, we can change. Now, our world needs to hear this. And so the message that I have for you today about talking to people about Jesus is not to force us to do something that we have no intention of doing and that other people would just resent. Why on earth would I push my faith on them? I don't want us to do that at all. What I want us to do is tell people the good news that Jesus changed my life. He can change yours too. And we get the opportunity to do that every day. And I want to remind us that it starts right where we are. In fact, one other thing I want to remind us before we have a word of prayer here, here is that we're the current generation of disciples. We're the current generation. Jesus told the disciples this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Well, one of the commands was to be his witnesses. So, the disciples made disciples who made disciples who made disciples on down to us. We're the current generation. We have the opportunity to be witnesses. Today, I want to talk with us about who we're going to witness to. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. I thank you for the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to all, for all who come to you that you change us from the inside out. I thank you for the fellowship of Christian brothers and sisters where you can encourage each other. I thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And I thank you, Lord, that we get a chance to be a witness to a world where people are trying to find their own way and they're stumbling around in the dark and we can show them the light where they've been burdened with guilt and we can show them how to be set free. I thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity with people all around us, right where we are, to be witnesses of the good news. In just a moment of silence right now, if you would like to be a better witness, if you'd like God to challenge you in some important way this morning, just silently, right where you are, would you say, God, would you show me something I need to learn today? Oh, Father, would you move me out of the way? Would you speak? Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Jesus wants us to be his witnesses to people living and working all around us. I mean, I had mentioned this already, but that's it. He wants us to be witnesses to people living all around us. That's why he said, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. Jerusalem was their hometown. That's where they were. Judea was the province. It'd be like, I want you to be my witnesses in Prattville or Montgomery and, or Wetumpka and Alabama. I want you to start there. Well, if we're going to start there, who are we talking about? And I want to break that into four different people groups or subgroups that all of us have with people living in Montgomery, Prattville, Wetumpka, wherever we live right now. And the first would be, I can be a witness for Jesus to my friends. My friends. I have friends. You have friends. People we hang out with. People we have dinner with. We love to talk to. People we go fishing with. Golfing with. I mean, this is um, 
clear in Scripture. In John 1, 43, uh, Jesus decided to go to Galilee where he found Philip, one of the disciples. And Jesus said to him, come follow me. Well, as soon as he did that, Philip went to look for his friend, Nathaniel, and told him, we found him. We found the one we've been waiting for, Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth. He's the one whom Moses and the prophets prophesied would come. And so when Philip met Jesus, he went and found his friend, Nathaniel. Come meet Jesus. Well, this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to be witnesses to our friends. And as we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, I mean, the doorway that opens that up in conversations is just stuff that happens in life. When somebody is worried about something or they're dealing with a life circumstance, we can tell them, well, here's how I dealt with it, and here's what I was praying about, here's what the Bible says, and here's what we talked about in my small group. And they go, what? Well, this is what the Bible says. You believe that? Yeah. And who knows where, what kind of doors can be opened up. But it could be related to finances, could be related to raising kids, could be related to anything. But these are our friends. And by the way, I want to remind us that unconditional friendship is a powerful way of demonstrating God's love. Because if somebody's a true friend, you're going to be with them for years. This isn't just one conversation. There's no pressure. You have to pack everything in, that you have to do some high-pressure sales thing to make sure your friend believes everything and that you can explain it all in one meeting. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. A real friend sticks closer than a brother. Could we say that together, please? A real friend sticks closer than a brother. If you've got a friend, you can be praying for him and her for years and praying for opportunities Hey, even if they're not open to go to worship with you or to be part of a small group, even if you ask them to pray with you, you go, hey, I'm not ready for that now. Well, you're still their friend and stick close to them. Man, unconditional friendship is a powerful tool for demonstrating what God's love looks like. I'm going to be your friend no matter what you do. God put you in my life. I'm going to pray for you all the time. And when I have the opportunity, I'm going to talk to you about what God's done for me. That's what we're talking about. Not because I'm trying to push something on them, but the other way around. Because I want them to know the peace and the joy I've found. Secondly, I can be a witness for Jesus to my relatives. Nobody laughed out loud at this service, okay? (laughs) Well, you don't know my relatives, okay? I don't. I don't. And some of us have people in our family tree. They may be far from God. Some of us married into another family tree, and we go, wow, there's a lot of people in that tree or that need Jesus. I don't know your circumstance. But it's interesting to this, if you think about Peter, I mean, Simon Peter, the disciple, he wasn't the first person in his family met Jesus. His brother Andrew was. Listen to this from John 1. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John the Baptist had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, hey, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Peter met Jesus because his brother Andrew introduced him. 
I love meeting people who get involved in our church, and I talk to them, hey, how did you come to faith in the Lord? Well, my dad told me about Jesus. My mom told me about Jesus. They raised me going to church, and they made sure I understood this, and that I had a chance to profess my faith on my own. It's powerful. Sometimes it's the other way around. Meet people, and they go, well, my son told me about Jesus. My daughter did. Wish I could tell you I raised them in the church. I didn't. But they went off to college and got involved in a campus ministry, met Jesus, and man, they changed their life so and he changed their life so much when they told me about Jesus. That's what I wanted. I don't know how it's gonna work, but we have relatives. And sometimes just living our lives in front of them opens a door wide open for that. Listen to 1 Peter 3. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands, and then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They'll be won over by observing your pure and reverend lives. Living out your faith in front of them is so convincing. They go, tell me about this. And the door's wide open for us to be a witness. Witness through our lives, witness through our words. Get to share the good news with people. We can also be, right where we are, we can be witnesses, this is the third point here, for Jesus to acquaintances. Well, who am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about coworkers, classmates, service providers. These are parents that we sit by at our kids' games, mail carriers, bus drivers, grocery checkers, pizza guy, UPS delivery man. Acquaintances. God will open the door for us. One of the folks at our 8 o'clock service was laughing because he said, you know, that's me. I went to visit him in the hospital. He'd had all kinds of tests run. They couldn't find out what was wrong with him. He was there for multiple weeks. Got to know the nurses on his floor and stuff. And when I came up to see him, he said, yeah, I was I'm glad you're here, John. I want to introduce you to so-and-so. She just accepted Jesus into her heart because we've been talking about Jesus every night when she comes on to, uh, to take her shift. He'd been praying for her because the first night she looked so upset. And he was the one that was sick in the hospital. He was worried about her. I mean, if you wonder what kind of attitude that is, it's the attitude of the Apostle Paul. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything has happened to me here. He was in prison in Rome under guard. Everything that's happened to me here has helped spread the good news for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. Paul says, you know, it's the greatest thing. I've been put in prison here and I'm under guard and the palace guard there would have had several thousand soldiers in that contingent and they would have taken shifts guarding prisoners and they would have been chained to them. So every 12 hours, Paul got a new recruit. I mean, he goes, I just want you to know how great it is. I got thrown into prison, and now I've got this great prison guard ministry. It's amazing. Every 12 hours. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm in jail because I believe in Jesus. Can I tell you about Jesus? We got 12 hours. I mean, what if you and I looked at life that way? Got to meet these people all the time. I see them all the time. Would you show me a, a way I can serve them? Would you show me a way I could encourage them? And maybe open the door for us to have a conversation one day. 
nothing high pressure, nothing weird. I'm around these people. I'm supposed to be a witness. Jesus said he wanted me to be his witnesses, but one of his witnesses to acquaintances. I mean, what if we even just started praying about this? That is great stuff. Fourthly, I could be a witness for Jesus to my neighbors. My neighbors. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior. But give honor to God when he judges the world. And we have unbelieving neighbors all around us. They don't know God. They don't know Christ. They don't know what the Bible says to do about things. It doesn't mean we judge them. doesn't mean we condemn them. doesn't mean we hate them. It means we pray for them and look for ways to serve them and be kind to them. Maybe we have a chance to talk about what Jesus has done for us. When I uh, worked at Fraser Methodist, there was a fellow there when one time... We talked about this very same thing, that same verse, and about reaching out to neighbors. He, God really got a hold of him, and he couldn't, couldn't get it out of his head. And so he thought about it and prayed about it, and he thought, you know, there's one thing I can do. Before his mom had died, she taught him how to make pies. And there were three pies that she was outstanding with. It was like a, one was a, like a, a cream pie, and another was like a, a fruit pie. And it was like, one was like a chocolate pie or things like this. And he said, you know, I learned, she taught me how to make the crust, how to make all this stuff. They were excellent. And he said, so he lived in a neighborhood where there were people coming in and out from Maxwell every year. They would tell their friends, but it was a nice neighborhood. And there was, there were always military families moving in and out all the time. And he wanted to meet them. And he realized he had a lot of people coming around him and he wanted to be a witness in his own neighborhood. So... What he did was, every time he saw a moving truck pull up or other things, he'd go knock on the door and say, I'm your neighbor down the street, and I just want you to know that uh, I'd like to welcome you to the neighborhood, and my mom taught me how to make uh, some pies, and I'm real good at making these three, and I'd like you to check one that I can bring by. And so they would check one on his little list and, and other things, and then he would come by with a pie later that day or the next day, and, uh, and then he'd have another piece of paper, and he'd just say, how can I pray for you? Um, you can take that with you. And he'd always, he didn't bring it in a disposable pie dish, but I'm going to come back and collect my dish a little later. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and I'll collect your prayer request too. And invariably they would fill it out. And then they would ask him, why are you doing this? And he'd go, oh, because my life was hopeless. And Jesus gave me hope. He gave me a whole new direction. I, and now I love praying for people. I love talking to people about him. He, he had opportunities to share his faith over and over again. I, I'd never seen anybody who brought that many people with him to visit church either. It was incredible. And being a responsible pastor, I made sure that I sampled each one of those pies to make sure they were ready and you know, that he was really as good at them as he should be. And he's not the only one. There's a, another guy here with Centerpoint. Does the same thing, only he does it with soup. He does. Finds sick people all the time, finds people in need, brings them. He has these recipes for soup that are amazing. Does the same thing. It's his gift. Now, please hear me today if you're going, well, John, I don't know how to make pie or soup, so I guess I can't do anything. Don't be limited to that. 
but how can I serve my neighbors? And who lives up and down my street? Who do my kids play with? Who do I run into all the time? And what if I started seeing those as more than just random opportunities? What if this wasn't chance? What if God put me on the same street with these people? Because he did. So I can be a witness to friends, relatives, acquaintances, and neighbors right where I live. That's Jerusalem, Judea, Montgomery, Wetumpka, Prattville, Alabama. But Jesus also, here's the next point, is that Jesus also wants us to be his witnesses to people we don't like and in places and circumstances that are outside our comfort zone. That was the next part. I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Well, how do you know that Samaria indicates that? Because a couple of months earlier, here was a conversation that Jesus had with two of the disciples. Luke 9, 51. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem where he was going to be crucified. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. He was passing through Samaria on his way to Jerusalem. But the people of that village didn't welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. The people in Samaria hated the people in Jerusalem. The people in Jerusalem hated the people in Samaria. They had nothing to do with each other. When James and John saw this, they, two of the disciples here, when they saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. No! I'm dying on the cross for their sins just like yours. I want you to love them. In fact, now a couple months later, he's saying, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll have the power to even be my witnesses there. God is going to bring people into our lives that we don't like. He's going to put us in circumstances outside our comfort zones, and he wants us to be witnesses even in those situations. Listen to Paul talking to Timothy. Again, I say, I get involved in foolish, he said, do not get, excuse me, involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. There are going to be difficult people in our lives. Some of you are going, got that right. If you don't have difficult people in your life right now, you can count on it. Sooner or later you will. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. And then they'll come to their senses and escape the devil's trap. For they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. And when you and I repay evil with good, when you and I repay difficult people with kindness, Paul says it's like when we do that, the Holy Spirit pours burning coals on their head and convinces them that there's something more in life. God can use you and me to be witnesses even to those difficult people in our lives that we don't like and are way outside our comfort zone. And Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power to do that. I want you to be my witnesses right where you are. I want you to be my witnesses in these difficult circumstances with difficult people. Remember, this is the way Jesus described those who'd be honored in heaven. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, 
Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison, you visited me. Tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers or sisters, you were doing it to me. God is going to allow us to be a part of circumstances and in situations. He's going to give us opportunities to minister to people who are sick, minister to people in prison, minister to people by inviting them into our home. It's going to stretch us. But how exciting. And when it happens, we can go, oh, Jesus set this up. He didn't say, hey, I want you to maybe consider being my witnesses. He's saying, you will be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses to your friends, relatives, acquaintances, and neighbors. You're going to be witnesses to people in Samaria. And you can probably imagine the disciples going, there's some people in our lives we'd probably rather call down fire on too. But Jesus loves them. And when he opens up doors for us to go do things, the Samaritan's Purse organization that ministers to people after hurricanes, I went on one of those trips myself a few years ago. And it was powerful to me that every single work site, we didn't just clean up their yard and fix their, you know, repair their roof or put a tarp on the roof or whatever was necessary. At every single place, the people there were prayed for and talked to. I got to be a part of that. And that was at the heart of their ministry. I said, no, we're not just here to fix their roof. We're here to take care of their souls. God has opened a door through this tragedy to go do this. Man, I hope that excites you. I hope you want to be that. I want to be a witness like that. I want people to know there's hope when everything they have has been destroyed. I want people to know that there's life everlasting even if they lost a loved one in this life. There's hope of eternal life through Christ. If that loved one knew Jesus, that person is safe in Jesus' arms. And if they want to know Christ, that opportunity exists today. Man, I want to tell people this. Finally, Jesus wants us to be his witnesses to people everywhere we go. That's the ends of the earth part. Throughout our lives, God is going to relocate us time and again. Sometimes it'll be a change of a job. Sometimes it'll be a change of a city. Sometimes both. Sometimes we're just going to age out of current groups. You have friends in high school, you go to college, you meet new friends in college. You graduate from college and get married. Now you have a whole new set of couple friends. And then you have children. And then it's those people you're sitting next to at ball games and all that stuff. And then one day that all changes. And now you're sitting at games watching your grandkids play. And so there's always change. And when all these changes come about, God is shuffling the deck again. And now I have new friends and new acquaintances and new neighbors. And so do you. And that's what's exciting. What if every day we prayed about this and said, God, how do I be a witness? Here's a very accurate, I read Matthew 8, 28, 19 a minute ago. Here's another translation. It's a very accurate translation uh, on this. The Passion Translation. Now, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Don't just go. It's wherever you go. Did the early Christians do this? Yeah. After Stephen was stoned to death, the first Christian martyr, here's what happened. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, just like Jesus said. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Could we read this screen together, please? But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. The believers at center point are going to be scattered. Different jobs, different places we live, all kinds of opportunities. I mean, who knows? But what if you and I recognized that and said, I can give a word of hope. I can pray for that neighbor down the street. I can encourage this coworker. It may be that you're the one person a coworker seeks out when they're in trouble. You go, why are you talking to me? I'm talking to you because you seem like somebody who'd care. You just seem different. Well, God has just opened a door wide open. And he wants us to be witnesses. So inside your bulletin, you'll find a little card. And I'd like you to take it out and hold it. For those of you online, you could download one of these as well. It's simply called, uh, we call it a Fran plan. It just refers to the friends, relatives, acquaintances, and neighbors. In just a minute, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. Just ask God to show us one person that we could pray for in each of these categories. One person. On the other side, there's a simple outreach strategy as you pray for them. And hopefully you carry this in your wallet or your Bible or somewhere. I need to become aware, commit to prayer, show I care, be ready to share. And I know it rhymes, but it's easy to remember. And it's true. If I would just do these simple things, I could be a powerful witness. And so we're going to have a word of prayer in just a minute. But before we do that, um, we sang a song earlier in the worship service. That the name of Jesus is a beautiful name. Before we do this, I want to remind us that's the reason we want to do this. This is not some heavy-handed approach. You have to do this to earn God's favor. That's not what I'm saying at all. Jesus loves us. The reason we tell other people is because we want them to know how good he's been to filthy, rotten sinners like us. Could we sing a part of that song again?
Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we just come before you in prayer. And God, there are people that you've put all around us. There have been people you've put us around, Lord, who don't know the name of Jesus. They may have heard of him, but they don't know him. And Lord, they're worried about their kids, and they're worried about their future, and they're worried about global warming, and they're worried about Afghanistan, and they're worried about COVID-19, and they're worried about all the things we're all worried about. But Lord, they don't know that they can come to you and ask for peace in the middle of the circumstance and find peace. God, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'd do if I couldn't talk to you, like I'm talking to you right now. And so God, I want you to use each one of us to be helpful to our neighbors, to be kind to our relatives and acquaintances, to be encouragers to people who are just desperately in need of encouragement. And God, when the opportunity comes, oh, I just want you to give us the words to tell them, look, Jesus changed my life. Here's how you can know him. So Father, I pray that you would show each one of us one friend, one relative, one acquaintance, and one neighbor, and we'd write those names down, and every day we'd pray that you'd make us aware, every day that we'd show some, that you'd show us a way we can show we care. And whenever you give us an opportunity to one of these people, we take advantage of it. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. I love that song because I love the name of Jesus. death couldn't hold you. Oh, people need to hear that. <clears throat> Convince us of these things, Lord. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.